there's a distance between us, and you take the blame. I know that you try, but at the stage of the game, I've started a new life. There's no turning back, because it's time to celebrate the solo career of Heidi India Range. Woo! You're listening to Pot of the Pops, the podcast for reliving and reloving your pop culture moments. Season two, the Sugar Babes. The trials and tribulations, the comings and goings, and the what? Solo careers on part of the pops? Well, I never. <laughs> Welcome back to Pod of the Pops, the podcast that dissects British girl band careers and looks at life when the group has ended. This series, we are looking at the girl band who throw more shade than a Scottish summer. <laughs> Oh, it's the Sugar Babes! I'm your host, comedian Erin Twitchin, and as ever, I am the English rose between two Scottish thistles. Hello, I am Lauren. And I'm Karen. This is a podcast of two halves now. We are bi halfal. But what? (laughs) Is that a thing, bi halfal? We're just made of two parts. Yep. First, First, we look at the career of the girl group as the new member arrives, and then we look at their solo career. So where did we leave it? Toilet gate? Toilet gate. Siobhan has left during the Japanese Promo tour for the world's longest way, 12 years. <laughs> and the sugar babes, Mutia and Keisha, who are remaining, quickly begin to audition for a new member and bring in Heidi Range. It literally is like over, practically overnight, isn't it? Isn't it within the same week? I didn't realise how quickly it was until I listened to... The Ladies of Liverpool podcast. Oh my God, this was an absolute treat, you guys. Shout out to the Ladies of Liverpool podcast. I really enjoyed it. Me too. <laughs> um, and now I'm like, oh, how many other Ladies of Liverpool do I know that I can get really invested in? I know. Well, she auditioned on one day. So she got a call on the train home to say she got it. Yeah. And then she went straight into rehearsals. Yeah. I thought it was cute how she she talked about the fact that the, she got a phone call and her, her and her mum went into HMV together to get the CD. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. The Sugar Babe CD, so then she could try and memorise the songs, like, overnight. Yeah, that's a big deal. You'd have to know the songs. And, uh-huh. and kid on, you loved them, even if you didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, what are you saying? Well, if you think about album two, totally different direction. Was it? Was it, though? Well, let's get into that when we do the okay. album. Okay. So here's what Heidi recalls. Keisha and Mutcher were in the room when I was singing and then I saw these two little heads looking through the door. I'm not doing the accent. They've got this code which they speak in, the aforementioned ski code. And I didn't know it then. They were talking it in the auditions and I'd be sitting there thinking, what are they saying? Well, she need not have worried because she got the call on the way back. And she said, yes, I will join. I just need to check with my mum. Oh, that's sweet. Do you think the girls had any say over who joined? No. Do you think it was all management? Oh, like I do you think it was just it. Heidi that auditioned and that was it? No, there were definitely a few girls. I don't know if it's anyone we knew. Well, like Sarah from down the road. Oh, do you mean like? <laughs> do you know what I see? What you mean? Like anyone who's you like, know, Jenny like, Frost this is, this or someone? This is so like comedy or TV or theatre. Everyone knows everyone, and it it's seems true. like they've all got fruitful past girls. careers. Yeah. Um. I've never heard anyone else mention they went for the audition for the Sugar Babes, but I would imagine Rita Ora probably did. <laughs> she's done everything. She seems to be in everything we talk Do about. you know she'd be too young? Would she have been? I reckon so. 20, she's only 29. So she would have been... I think Heidi's like 34, 35. No, she's 37. Is she? Yeah. Karen, you are Little Miss I Know Everyone's Birthday. I yeah. actually think if she's not 37, she's older. I mean, she looks great for it, Ovs. She's 37, yep. Oh, well, well done. How did so, you know that off the top of your head? I just I remember seeing it. Because I remember from 2009, that video, she looked incredible in it. And yeah. I, I thought, as you know, like J-Lo, you always think, has my chance come yet? Yeah. So I hoped that she'd be older than she was, but she was only 27 during that video. Oh, yeah. 26. Right. Um, so yeah, Rita Ora would have been too young. Rita Ora would have been a wee bairn. She would have been about... She would have been a sugar baby. 15, yeah. Yeah. Well... Good for her that she didn't get in because Heidi literally had a few days rehearsal and then was on CD UK within a week. Wow. Bless her. Now, I wanted to know more about this. Yeah. So, Detective Aaron put on his monocle and got out his magnifying glass. Yeah. I cannot find the performance. So, this would be August 2001. 
Right. September 2001 at the latest. Right. I can only imagine that they are on CD UK promoting Soul Sound, yeah. which had come out in the July. Right. Or they're just singing Overload because they're just... I, yeah, I they're just know, introdu- the or something. introducing horror, like, kind of thing. Yeah. Or they're in a medley or something. I couldn't find it. Okay. So if there are any podsters out there who mm. have this link, you've not failed us before, <laughs> please do. Otherwise, unsolvable mystery. <laughs> so where we're at with them, they've released the four singles off the album. London Records, who they're currently with, are looking at the record sales of Sugar Babes. And as we know, they drop them. They'd had one top ten at that point, Overload, and then the others were mid-teens, much like their singers. Critical acclaim... But praise does not pay thy bills. So It seems pretty brutal to be dropped. I feel like people have been kept on for a lot less. Nah, girl thing. Girl thing, yeah. Girl, girl thing. thing. I wonder whether a part of this is the girls aren't that bothered about it because right. they want to go in a slightly different direction. I see, I see. And maybe London so Records aren't super supportive. Because yeah. from what I pieced together, they have started, I think they started making demos of tracks before Heidi is in. Because I've definitely found some unreleased tracks from that time that have got like a third voice that I don't recognise. Right. So I think they'd started making some tracks before Heidi and then whether they added her vocals to them or they carried on making the album. And I think that is with London Records. So they begin going about shopping for a new deal and they sign with Island Records. And we get our first taste of Heidi in their first single, Freak Like Me. What? Action. I still think it's fresh now. It is. It is a remix. It's a, they take the, what do you call that? The acapella? It's a mashup. So they've taken the lyrics and vocals from one song and mashed it up with the track of another. Mm. I was maybe 25 years old when I realised. <laughs> when I heard the original Adina Howard freak yeah. like me on the radio yeah. and was like, why is somebody singing my babe's tune? <laughs> Yes, and then I was like, why is it decidedly an older kind of production? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my god, Keisha is a time traveller. Yeah. Our parents always get so mad at that when we try to say that the pop remix is better than the original. The one that you know first, I think, is most like, most times always better. Yeah. And then, of course, the actual, the instrumental is a sample, well. Of Gary Newman's Our Friends Electric. Technically... I would argue this is not a Sugar Babe song. Right. This is a Richard X record. Yeah. So do we remember Richard X? I believe so. Yes. He was the David Guetta of his day. Yes. But he wasn't afraid of doing pop up. He had one like album. Yes. Which was Richard X, the the Hits Factory or something. X Factor, I think uh-huh. it was called. I, I had feel... it. I bought it in Poundland. Like five, <laughs> ten years ago. And he, he, he worked with like Khalees, Liberty Did he work? I was literally about to say that. I think he produced some of Rachel Stevens' album. That, this year, this is all coming back to me now. It's all coming back to me now. But he started as, he was really cool. Like he was considered cool. Yeah. When maybe the Sugar Bays, well the Sugar Bays were cool, but like, Rachel Stevens wasn't. Yeah. God bless. It was like underground music scene. So this was a bootleg mashup. Yeah. yeah. So it's like an illegal mashup because he never had the rights to the Adina Howard track. So he wanted to release it commercially, but couldn't get the rights for the vocals. So Island Records, who the Sugar Babes had just signed to and who he was under, Mm. requested that the girls sing the song. Which is an amazing request because it totally works. Like, oh, a hundred. They are, I mean, they. I think what's great about it is that you've got their like very electronic staccato like background and their voices are like smooth as silk. And like that contrast is beautiful. Yeah. Well, it just felt really fresh, I yeah. guess, because of the remix. We get a music video that invents Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> is that a bold statement to make? Can I take a moment to rewatch this video? Oh, yes. While Lauren is re-watching the Freak Like Me video, I just wanted to take a minute to speak to you, our sugar mamas and sugar daddies, and say thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying it, like, spread the wealth. 
maybe if you've got a big Twitter following, you could pop up a little sugar post for us. We just want to get this story out to as many people as possible. And if you're not on socials, go old school, babes. You can write it down in a note, send it through an owl, or just simply tell someone. Tell as many people as you can about Pod of the Pops, the girl band podcast. Because you know, the more people that are talking about us, the more people that are talking about the sugar babes, which means the more likely they are to finally release that album. So, you know, helping us helps you help us. Thank you. Back to the show. Man, I love it. It is vampire vibes. Like, Misha yep, yep, yeah. bites some guy's neck or hand to she bite, and then Heidi breaks some guy's wrist. Yeah. Violence of women by women. <laughs> um, well, it's just, it's got a kind of sultry, cool vibe. It's definitely, you can see the change in production values. They're allowed in the club now. They're yeah. allowed in the club they now. They've just got to get the taxi outside. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're violent. Night and day. Yep. So I was low-key obsessed with this because, so I had the first album and I was, do you remember back in the day when people read books? <laughs> yeah, well, well, I would know about that. The, those were the days. Um, I did used to support my local library. Used to? I used to, because now I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm too busy making podcasts from people like you. So you know, like Twi- uh, Twilight and all that is like yeah. a big deal now. Yeah. And you had, so I, me and my friend Lucy were obsessed with this writer called LJ Smith. And you might know her from the Vampire Diaries. Yes. She had this other book series called To The Forbidden Game. I was absolutely obsessed with and Nightworld, and they were all like vampire-y Right, things. yeah. They're fairly I well known, yeah. Used to oh uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what the kids are listening to. Actually, that's funny. My niece who's 13 is listening, is watching the vampire diaries just now. And I was like, See, I never watched the program, I only me read the book. And my friend Rona, hi Rona, we were just like obsessed. Obsessed. Vampire Diaries was it was a guilty pleasure. It was it was cheesy good fun. I'm not okay, well, good. I'm glad it's not just me. Yeah. I'm not that but I used to read them and listen to Sugar Babes and I thought the, the One Touch album because I thought it was like really dark and like fit yeah. it was moody for it Yeah. and I was always to my friends like oh I think they're really into vampires and yeah. then they come out with this video and You're I was like, like I'm not saying I made it happen but, but Keisha got my happen. back you made it happen you put it out into the world and, and it happened out. my affirmations brought it <laughs> forward see stop laughing at my bullshit I know <laughs> so yeah Sugar Babes invented Twilight yeah. If you want to find out more about our opinions on the videos, we have for our Patreons. <laughs> so if you join our Sugar Patreon account, we have yeah. a Patreon and we have got our Music Evolution videos up there. But back to the number one record, Freak Like Me. Yes. They finally Definitely. get to the top of those charts. That Very must well feel deserved. satisfactory. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Siobhan must be kicking herself. Well, I don't think she is. Would she have made that record? Maybe, it's hard to say. But after all the bull that they went through with London Records for the end when they tried to push their sound, to come out and be like, oh, this is what we wanted to make, we feel more... And they do seem more confident in what they're doing. They've grown up. I mean, they were 14. And also, you know what I was thinking about in the last episode? That story of them then getting dropped after one album. That's the story of so many other groups. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And that's where the story ends. And we never hear about them. Yeah, and then that's that's it. What happened know? to the 411? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> the fact that they not only bounced Cleopatra? Back, they had a second album. Apparently, going to have a third and their incredible oh. voices on the set. No, they were. That's what oh. I mean. Like, and Cleo was on The Voice oh. and she was amazing. And that, no one gets anywhere from The Voice. Yeah. So sad. My point was, it's amazing that not only did they bounce back, get a new record deal, produce their most successful ever album and, and come straight in with a number one. Yeah. Like, wow. How, how much of a push would that have been from their management? Do the management stay when you get dropped by a record deal or are they all intertwined? It does differ. I don't know whether the Sugar Babes kept their management because it would have been Ron Tom and I think he went with Siobhan. Right. So I doubt he would have managed both. I don't know how involved they are. You kind of wonder but what they the definitely, The Sugar Babes definitely switched management to crown management at one point okay. and that's who end up becoming their record label I think at one point. Right, uh, it's right. complicated, complicated, complicated. The management and the record company are separate. Well, this is a successful track. Guardian named it best single of 2002. Ooh. Gary Newman considers it better than his own version, Our Friends Electric. Do you think it's better than That's the Tides is High? <laughs> oh dear. I mean. 
Um, Put yourself in a box, Karen. I think it was also, it was such a crossover hit for them because it was a song of theirs that you could hear in the club and people would be like, yes. And everyone knew who they were at that point. At that point, yeah. Well, I definitely wasn't hearing it in the club. 16-year-old Aaron had a baby little face. Oh. I don't know what Cobb Warren's talking about. Yeah. It's Cobb or... The under-18s down at the rec centre. Yeah, the under... Well, we did go to under-18s club, so... But, okay, it was very rock music. Anyway. Freak Like Me is immediately followed by their second number one, Round Rounds. Uh, Karen's not a fan, but I think it's it's quality. I thought this was a great double punch. Do you know how I said the last album didn't have a strong singles campaign? Didn't have a one round round. You're right. right. What do I always say? Bang a bang a ballad. Yeah. Bang a bang a ballad. Don't mess with the formula. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. What I think is interesting about round rounds it is their first collaboration with Xenomania. So Xenomania mm. are a production company made up mostly of Brian Higgins and Miranda Cooper, who you will know most famously for having written almost every Girls Aloud hit single. Really? So they, I think they wrote all of the first album apart from any covers. Mm. And then from there on, they worked on every album with them and it would have been pretty much 80%. So that would have been album. either just around or just after then? Well, Round Round is before Girls Aloud are even a twinkle in Jerry Halliwell's eye. Because <laughs> Round Round comes out the summer of 2001 and yeah. they form on... Round Round 2002. 2002, yes, you're right, sorry. And then Popstars Rivals is that September. Right. When you say that, I can now, I could hear Girls Aloud singing Round Round. Yeah, it's yeah. very it's Sound very of the Underground, isn't it? Vibe. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think it's interesting to note at this point, Xenomania and Girls Aloud, because this is their first big hit in a while. So, Xenomania have one big hit before this that you may know. Oh, yeah? Gaze of the World. <laughs> they actually wrote on Cher's Believe. Really? Well, Brian Higgins did, yeah. Oh. It also worked heavily on everyone's favourite Minogue sister, Danny's Girl. Oh. But I think it's interesting. I wonder whether there's a part of, oh, Ram Rad's a big hit. Suddenly we've got this girl band on pop stars. We don't know what to do with them. Yeah. We didn't expect them to win. Yeah. Throw them to the dogs. Well, we'll let these guys have them. Because yeah. it wasn't like Girls Aloud were ever given any support. Do you want to hear the legend myth of the writing of Round Round? Please. Yes. Yes. So they had the girls, they had the sugar babes coming in to record. And they had the drum track. The do, 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 do. I mean, that was a really good. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you. Mm-hmm. You can tell that I worked with Xenomania on that. But they didn't have any lyrics written. Right. So Miranda just grabbed every chorus she had written in the last few years and just started them singing over the top of the drum beat. Okay. And then they found that one. They were like, round, round, baby. Yeah, that'll do. That sounds good. It's not quite how you envision a pop song being made, but it's it's arty and it's... That's how Xenomania work. They're never like, oh, we're going to write a song about um, this experience that happened to me on Monday. And sometimes it just works. That's why all of their songs are bananas. They don't make any sense. (laughs) But they, it makes good pop sense, it, but not like, oh, if you yeah, were to totally. see the lyrics written down, you'd be like, what the hell is this? But they sell right. it. They 100% sell Let's it. Go, Let's go, Eskimo. Let's go, Eskimo. Round <laughs> Round is Sugar Babe's first single to chart in America. Woo! Number seven on the Billboard Hot Dance Club. Nice. Wow, with such a big hit on their hands. What do you think the Sugar Babe's management do? To further the profits of the Sugar Babe's franchise, management decide... Slap it on several soundtracks. I'm, I'm getting a sense of a theme here. <laughs> oh, you guessed right. Do you think there's big money in doing that as well? Of course. Yes. And Mucha really loves going to movie premieres. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just time. guessing. Heidi had a dress to wear. We had three big global movies. The Guru, a British-French-American sex comedy starring Jimmy Mystery as an Indian actor who accidentally becomes an international sexpert. I think I remember hearing this is so problematic. I this film. went to the cinema to see this. Of did course, you? you did any trash. You <laughs> Look, I grew up in Devon, in the real rural countryside. There wasn't a lot, so we did go to the cinema a lot because it was the only thing we had. Oh. It also appears in American Wedding, an almost inconceivable third movie about a man who makes love to a pie. Oh no, oh. that was great, that film. I did actually see that at the cinema. American Wedding? I never saw it. Well, that was the, f- no, sorry. Wasn't, That's the third one. It's I the think. third one, yeah, of the American Pie trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Also appears in Kangaroo Jack, a comedy about a kangaroo that runs away with $50,000 hidden in a mobster's bomber jacket. Right. Wow. 
I don't even know if I could rank these films from worst to worst. Oh no, American <laughs> Wedding was quite a big film at the time. And yeah, it wasn't huge. bad. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. good. Oh, it's, I think it was fun. Who cares? It's worth the soundtrack. Yeah. I've just noticed that I did not realise until making this podcast how many soundtracks the Sugar Babes were on. And also how many of them are sex comedies. I know. Well, it makes sense. They've got quite sultry sounds. And, and they've gone a new direction, you know. Yeah. yeah. So let's get on to the album. Angels with Dirty Faces is released in August 2002. You're holding your pen there, Lauren. Like, you've got to say something. Like, like I have pages of notes <laughs> on how much I love this album. Yeah. Well, let me just say this one line and then we can get... You can splurge. Okay. So we've got a much wider production team on this record. So One Touch is a small group. They're working in a studio together to find this sound. Here, we're bringing lots of different people. It's a change in label. It's a real upshift. Mm-hmm. It is their biggest selling album to date. I say to date, like, they're going to push out Sweet Eight. Listen, Jade's waiting. Jade <laughs> is on call. It goes triple platinum in the yeah. UK, way bigger than their last. Went in at number two and stayed in the charts for 40 weeks, providing them with their first headline tour. Yeah. Excellent. Thoughts on this album? Okay, so my strongest memory of the Sugar Babes growing up was that I bought the double a side of angels of dirty faces and stronger and that was it was the one that's the next that, single yeah yeah and that was the one that had the powerpuff girls on it because yeah because management had decided slap it on a soundtrack yeah yeah and a powerful girls movie was out so they were and it was actually the the single was really pleasing because it was them in the same style as the Powerpuff Girls. So they were cartoonized. Yeah. Which is such a dream. Yeah. Because who doesn't want to be made a cartoon? Exactly. Exactly. And then I love the poster so much because the, the inside sleeve of the CD came folded out as a poster. Nice. And I, that was on my wall for years. I did have my round round free postcard singles yeah posted on my do wall do kids even know what postcards are now <laughs> like i don't even think they would it's like a meme with a stamp kids you have to buy them yes anyway so i mean the strongest of those two tracks for me was stronger is like i was so into that track but then it's very me it's very down tempo it almost had like i want to say madonna frozen vibes a little bit Ooh. like or that era it felt epic it had like the orchestra in the background so the juice i have is that apparently stronger as a song was conceptualized by heidi before joining the band and was separated from her family and friends oh really you know, maybe on the train down for the audition this just makes me feel like there was no real audition erin i feel <laughs> like it was just heidi was gonna go in and that was it yeah but i think it's interesting you say angels of dirty faces because i feel like this one never got radio over here that much i think it was more for like the japanese market right or wherever right. powerpuff girls was bigger yeah yeah so I listened with good quality headphones to this album for the because I imagine most of the time I listened to this album on a shitty hi-fi I had, and my god the production is so good. Like, I bomb this album. I love this album so much. Yeah, this album taught me to rap <laughs> <laughs> because that's why you can't rap. <laughs> oh, oh. No, because in Million Miles, I don't know if it, I think it's Keisha. I'm not sure if it's Keisha or Mutia does a rap. Yes, and I can still and do that rap now. It's good. Please, please do do yeah, that. Yeah, I feel that was an invitation. Right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm just, I was doing it the other day when the track, I heard it. Missing you lately, all of the time. All we seem to do is like, you get off my mind. Come to me, I'll bring all the men and the broadcast with all the fake gem. Communication, that's what we need. All the silence makes my heart bleed. All you want to do is sit and burn weed. No R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Tell me what happened to our quality time. Every time you meet, you bring your trouble to my mind. A good man is so hard to find. Maybe we should end this comeback rewind. Oh, wait, can I just say? Bleeped myself. Yeah, yeah I was really it was proud beautiful. Of that, too. that was beautiful. Mate, even at 14, also, I was woke enough to know I shouldn't be saying that. But also, yeah. you know, because of where you're from. I was doing you know Jamaicanese down then. It was a little bit, but you know who you sound like? What? You sound like Ed Sheeran when he rapped. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> it's true. Because it's awkward and white, that's right? From yeah. Devin. It's so awkward and white. Yeah. So white. Is he Tavanian? I'm pretty sure. Is he like I Bristol? Don't, I think he's sorry. I don't think he's Devonian, but I think you sounded like him because you don't really have a Devonian accent. No, true. Like, white guys shouldn't rap, but, you know, <laughs> thank you, Keisha. Yeah, no, oh, I Oh, no, sorry. He was born in Yorkshire. Oh, in his hometown is in Suffolk. Sorry, sorry. No worries. Uh, incredible, 
uh, remembering now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Keisha. So I just want to talk about some of the songs first before we do the reviews. Yeah. Because some of these... Can we talk firstly about Virgin Sexy? Oh God, yeah, okay. My main question about this song is, would they get away with releasing that? Because they were still underage at this point, right? Well... Uh, 17? Mm, 16, 17? No, they can't be. 17, 18? 14, they were 14, 15 right, when so the first they, they, album they were came born out. About, they were all born about 84, so that would make them... 16 in 2002? 18. Well, they're, they're overage then, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Okay, so but they're still young. And I love that in the lyrics, there's the thing of text me. I was like, such oh, a modern reference. Me, just text me. Email I was genuinely heart. feeling that at the time. I was like, oh my God, they're so on it. In snakeskin boots? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> that was the style. But I think it's hilarious because I would have been like, a 16-year-old virgin at the time. Aww. I was totally relating to the lyric. Just thinking about it really scares me like Freddie. Like Fred, Freddy Krueger. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You better not sleep with anyone like him. Sometimes they have really great lyrics, but in every song, there's one or two couplets that you're like, oh, were you running out of time? <laughs> so I kind of feel with the Sugar Babes that see the slow, the slow songs, the ballads, they're always spot on lyrically. I always feel the faster, more like harder tempos have the most bullshit lyrics. I'm sorry, Virgin Sexy had brilliant. She ain't ready for the surprise. He just wants to get the job done. Like, come on, they were speaking to us all. Oh my God. It was a really woke, not woke, but like it was a really like uh, in touch song. Yeah. In touch. One touch. One touch, (laughs) in touch. There's one other final song I want to look at lyrics, unless you've got any on your list that you want to cover in a sec. Well, you know how we love a shady song? I have always thought the third song on the album, Blue, yeah. is a shady, shady song throwing shady, shady, shade at Siobhan. Oh. Well, recently, when Keisha has launched her YouTube channel, she was talking about songwriting, and she said that Blue, the word, actually means to throw shade. Me and Keisha totally get each other. Right. So apparently they were in a writing room, yeah. and the team were all like coming up with, oh, what can we have as a name for a song? Mm. And Keisha goes, um, how about Blue? And they were like, what, like the colour? And she was like, oh no, it means to like throw shade. She was just blagging, like totally bullshit lying. Oh, right. And they fell for it and wow. they got to write a song. She was like trying to make it happen. So I think we should make it happen now. It's not, oh, spill the tea. It's being blue. <laughs> being blue. Being blue. It's being blue. I mean, it's got like punchy beats, it's electronic, and then the guitar comes in for the chorus. I mean, I have to say like a lot of the album is very pacey. Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's really, the beat drives. It's quite hard. Yeah. Well, I just wonder if this is about Siobhan. You are sleazy and two-faced. I can't believe I missed what you were all about. Trying to use me, but your game's run out. You t- can't take advantage of me. My eyes are open now. Trying to use me to get in my crowd. You're all about the hype when you see me on TV. Two weeks later, talking my name. You're the one to blame. Ooh. That ain't no goodbye song, is it? <laughs> But then it could be about anyone, like at school or yeah, anything. They're all like, yeah. oh, because Boy it's friends, the sugar babes. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, 16-year-old me was like, I better spare her. Yeah. I really enjoyed their version of Shape. So I yeah. grew up listening to Sting and the Police because my parents were super into them. And I read, I don't know if you've got a note of this, but I read... Yeah. So this was, a, you might not, most people don't know this. So we actually had five singles of this album. Yeah. So we had Freak Like Me, Round Round, both number ones. We had Stronger, that I think I've got it written here, went in at seven. Yeah. yeah. What? That was a double A side with Angels. But the album has been out yeah, for a while and been heavily purchased. Yeah. Then we get Shape comes in as a fourth slash fifth single, depending if you count the double A side. And it's the only track from the album to chart outside the top 10 at 11. Mm. What is your note? I have lots of notes on this, but oh, I would love to hear your cues. Well, I mean, I love the original song. It's a classic, but um, I did like so this. So did you just say that it's a sample of the Sting song, Shape of My Heart? I said it was a sample. And then when I did research, I found out that Sting actually came into the studio and re-recorded yeah. this chorus. He re-recorded That's his vocals. Cool. Which That's is cool. cool. And it was because he had said, oh, listening back to the old version, the old recording, I think I could do a better better version. So yeah. God bless him. He came in and I recorded know. it for them. Which is surprising because it does kind of just sound like a sample with them singing yeah. at the top. 
But also, I don't like, think he yeah. must have approved of the version. Yeah, they exactly. were. You know, they had the credentials. It was. It was produced by one of the writers of the original track, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Yeah. So like that, it was totally. It wasn't that they were doing it without permission. They were actually. They were the ones who were bringing it to them. Plus, it's weird that he's not credited as a feature. Yeah. He's because he's not credited on the track. Mm-hmm. Whereas, did you know that there was another artist at the time that released a song with the same sample? Oh, really? As a duet with Sting a month later. What? What if I told you it was all meant to be? Was it, was <laughs> what it was sh- that? Was it imagine. Siobhan? No. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? It's a male. Oh. It's a black male who was also nominated for the same Brit Award in the last episode. Oh. Oh, oh wait. Craig, Craig David. Davids. Craig Davids. Craig Davids did that Yeah. Version. He did a single called Rise and Fall oh. with Sting. I actually really like it as well, but I hated it at the time because it was the same beat as my babes. <laughs> what can you do? Yeah. His peaked yeah. at number two in um, April 2003. He was March. massive. He was massive, wasn't he? Well, it was just as Keith Lemon was destroying his career oh. at the time. Oh, have you seen him now? He's still massive in terms of his physique. Like, oh, I saw Greg David live great. two, three years ago. He's so good live. Yeah. And we watched him. It was New Year this year. He did the... Me and Louise were watching him on TV, on BBC. Mm-hmm. He's so good live. He's excellent. Yeah, he's amazing. We're in shape. I like that. It's just the chorus they've kept. They've yeah. done their whole yeah. like, it's not new just a copy version. For yeah, and that's... And I really, really like, like the verses as well. I think they're really deep about feminism and they are, yeah. as being a young girl. Yeah. So that wraps up the singles campaign on the album. The album is nominated at Brit Awards for Best British Album. They also perform Freak at the ceremony. Well, so yes. who wants to play the Brits Quiz winner game? Me, Ooh. I do. So I will read you the nominees for a past Brit Award category and you must guess the winner. Are you ready? Yes. I was born ready. Category <laughs> is Best British Album 2002. Okay. Nominees are... Should we make any guesses here? I just think it'll be cleaner and like easier yeah. for you if I read them out. Yeah. And also I like the nostalgia of it all. Yes. Nominees are, and then people at home can play along. Yep. Nominees are, I'm really dragging this out, like they do at the Brit Awards. Nominees are, look at my tits, I'm wearing a really low cut dress. No. I'm going to hit you. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Why is Jerry so cold? <laughs> <laughs> Nominees are, Coldplay, A Rush of Blood to the Head. Mm-hmm. Miss Dynamite. A, lit- <laughs> a little deeper. Right. The Coral. The Coral. <laughs> the Streets, original pirate material. Oh, what a cheer. Yeah, what an album. And Sugar Babes, Angels with Dirty Faces. They're in very good company. There's uh, some absolute bangers there, but I'm going to say it was Coldplay. I want to say, yeah, Coldplay. It is Coldplay with a cold rush of blood to the head. That is an incredible album. Or just a rush of blood to the head. Yes, I don't know why is. I made it so cold. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's in the name, darling. I was, I was thinking of Jerry. They did win that year at the Brit Awards, though. They are a Brit-winning act. They won Best British Dance Act. Dance? Yeah. I suppose it was because the um, Danced and Freak Like Me had been so And it was Richard successful. X. But yeah. why didn't Richard X win that, I suppose? Yeah, I don't really know if that's... I did think this was odd. So Detective Aaron put on his monocle and got out his magnifying glass and I looked into it because I don't remember Best British Dance Act as a category. Right, yeah. It was short-lived. It lasted between 1994 and 2001. I see. They were up against the Chemical Brothers, Groom Armada, Jamiroquai and Koshin. But also, like, so I looked through and it's like the Chemical Brothers win every year. Like, it's the yeah. same, It was the same Max winning all the time. Yeah. I just thought it was really odd that they were... I mean, good for them. But Best British Dance Act, I just wouldn't have put them there. Yeah. R&B, I maybe would have. Yes. Pop mm. R&B. I, I mean, that's where they got the, on the Billboard dance chart yeah. was where Freak Like Me, you know. But it's only Freak. You wouldn't have put Round Round or Angels or no. Stronger or Shape. No, you wouldn't have. Maybe Round Round? I yeah. think that's kind of clutching at straws too. It is a bit. I feel like what that says is that they wanted to give them an award, but they lost out in the other categories. <laughs> Yeah, I and they didn't fancy creating the One Direction Award for turning up, <laughs> which they handed out for three years running. Oh god! International Success Award, I believe it was at oh, one point. Oh god! International Sales Award at another time. Do you think Brit awards have as much meaning now as they did then? Mm, I feel like they are. L- 
less of a deal. I mean, I suppose it's a huge award if you're, you know, honour if you're a British artist and you win a Brit, but I just I don't think if know. you've grown up watching it, like, I know when Little Mix won theirs, they were buzzing. Yeah. Theirs was an audience voted one, so maybe that means more when the audience voted. Yeah. It's the same, I think with, I think a lot of the time, especially with these girl bands, and this is different because Girls Lad, um, Spice Girls are just, <laughs> What podcast? This is different because Sugar Babes are just at the beginning of their career. Yeah. Whereas, like, Girls Aloud, when they got their first Brit Awards, it was for The Promise. Right. So um, and which another audience voted best single. Same with Little Mix, they got theirs for Shout Out to My Ex. Another audience voted best British single. Okay. And they would have been snubbed a lot of times. Like maybe when they felt like they did have a big album or they were best group and yeah. they didn't get a nomination because it goes to like the rock groups or Coldplay again. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it do, I think it does mean a lot to acts like that. I think the Sugar Babes would have been buzzing at the time that they got that, but maybe it wouldn't have been, oh, the hard-earned. But I guess they would have felt like, yeah, we deserve that. Yeah. We had a rough year. Yes. Heidi's like, I've just strolled in. Yes. <laughs> well, she'd definitely been to the Brit Awards the year before because I remember watching something where she was like, oh, I can't believe we just won a Brit Award because I remember like a year ago we were here and we were just like at the awards and now here we are collecting It's funny, one. like growing up you always think these people are like plucked from obscurity and I'm not saying it's not deserved or you know it's well earned but mm. you know really in reality a lot of these people are just in the same circles for Well a she long, was in the time. band at that point I think. Yeah, alright so yeah she'd already mm. been in it for a year. Yeah she was a sugar babe then. Well that wrapped up the Angels with Dirty Faces campaign. I think it's my favourite mm. album. Oh I read that year the enemy they called that album genius which is a huge deal right enemy right. Are like into rock and the billboard put them 45 in the 100 greatest girl groups Ooh, there are a hundred girl groups well yeah maybe it's based off i, mean, <laughs> of, I think it was yeah the uh, billboards decided to do yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a top yeah, 100 and it would have probably gone all the way back to like motown yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah. you know so like 45. i would love to know who they're sandwiched the between <gasps> yeah oh we need to look it up yeah Seven months later, the gay, the babes will be back with the breakup anthem, Hole in the Head. Yep. Another Xenomania banger. And another number one. It's very, it's got a very, um, it's really radio friendly, isn't it? It's. I feel it's very of the time, but I don't know if it stands the test of time. I feel now it's a bit dated when I listen to it. Well, let me tell you two things. One, it's going to support that, how of the time it is. When I give you the chart that week, it's going to tell you, it's going to be a time capsule. And then I will make an argument for why I think this is one of their greatest singles. Okay. So, Hole in the Head nearly didn't make it to number one. It was in close competition. Bob the Builder. (laughs) Heaven Little, Turn Me On. Turn me on, turn me on. Baby, hold me. Go caress my body. You got me going crazy. Turn me on, turn me on. That is still fresh. (laughs) I don't don't know if he ever had another hit. I don't know if I see it. Fresh. Kevin Little still gets me. Eating. It's got to move on me. Mate, I'm never letting go. No letting go. No holding. That was another one of the time. Uh, and th- no, that's very all the time. I'm not saying it's not a tune. I'm just saying it's all the time. <laughs> Hole in the Head ended the six-week run of Black Eyed Peas at the top of the charts with Where Is The Love. Wow. That was a tune. What a musical time to be alive. Indeed. Do you remember they were talking about terrorists being the CIA? And I thought, whoa, that's really out there. Like, how can the CIA and the FBI be terrorists? And now we know so much more. Oh, my God. No one found the love now. That's all I know. <laughs> Where is the love? I don't know. Nowhere in the year 2020. That's what I'm sure. That's true. I mean, those... when you, I'm off topic again. But those lyrics, I mean, they're so relevant today. They did re-release it, didn't they? A couple they, of years ago. It was they, like, yeah. we still need to And they didn't change the it. They were like, now nah, the lyrics are still the same. Like, yeah. May. I mean, you talk about that, like, oh, do you remember back in the day when we thought Kelly Rowland's stole would stop gun crime? I think Hole in the Head is an absolute banger. It's got a great beat. I feel quite empowered by it. And the lyrics, I think, are good. We get almost Sinead O'Connor-esque lyrics in this. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) What? Seven hours since you went away. Eleven coffees, Ricky Lake on play. Ricky Lake. What a reference. I mean, I love that. Yes. No, that's good. I like it. And okay it's been seven right okay and then they go in the second verse seven hours since you closed the door started a diet got a manicure erase my your number from my telephone and if you call me i won't be at home like 
that's so relatable. Yeah. Because seven hours after they end up, I did start a diet. I didn't get a manicure because my nails are perfect. But, you know, I was deleting his number. I remember yes. going through uni breakups. Yeah, but can you imagine now? You'd be like, I need to delete my Snapchat, my Instagram, <laughs> my Facebook. No, you wouldn't. You'd be like, dig, dig, dig. Now's the time to post those holiday snaps. And then you get the boomerang message. Oh, God. Did you ever hear about that girl who, like, she blocked her ex-boyfriend from everything and then she got this text from her bank and he had so he had put in, like, one pence into her account with a line in it saying, like, please talk to me. Yeah. Like, as a way to get, in, like, basically to speak to her. Like, sent her one pence deposit. Oh, I can't decide whether that's, that's cute so No, 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 that's creepy. That's creepy. Yeah, that's creepy. desperate, Dan. Well, back to the number one record. Mm. Not everybody has that. <laughs> Hole in the head. It's very like round down, doesn't it? Do you not think the beat is very similar? Well, it's the same production company. It's Xenomania. It makes yeah, sense that it's yeah. similar, yeah. But by this point, obviously, Girls Aloud are working with Xenomania as well. So it must be weird to be like, oh, which is a Sugar Babe song, which is a Girls yeah. Aloud song. Although, to be fair, the Sugar Babes have got all the, the vocal. I never felt like they there was a crossover, but I think we'll talk about this more when we get to the greatest hits. Yeah. But it's interesting to point out these points because they are direct competition, I guess. Although they've, I think they've always been friendly. Like I don't think yeah, there's any rivalry there I, like that. But I don't it's think they were. They're different. The they're, they are different. That's the thing. I think it will have driven them. Well, the Guardian loved it. They called it "Sling Your Hook Skank." <laughs> wow, which I kind of love. But I do Sling feel like this skank. is this is a song that you put on your breakup playlist. It yeah. comes after "Never Ever" to get you up out of bed. Yeah, yeah. I, me and my friends did have a You've Been Dumped playlist when oh, I was, really? that I made, obviously. <laughs> it was in order, so you could, you know, be Devo, cry, start to feel better, eat the ice cream, get drunk, go out. I love that. It yeah. was efficient. 45 minutes and you're done. Whoa, 45 minutes? That's a lot of... <laughs> you got a lot to process, Lauren. <laughs> a lot to repress. <sighs> now, naturally, to further the profits of the Sugar Babes franchise, management decided... Slap it on a soundtrack. Of course they did. It's just a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> 2004 movie, The Sleepover, featuring Alexa Vega from Spy Kids fame, who goes on a, you guessed it, sleepover. sleepover. I have actually seen this movie twice. Of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you went to cinema. No, I didn't. Me and my friend had it and watched it Sleepover. It was a teen movie, but twice. it was quite enjoyable. Going back to the video, can we talk for a minute about the look that we get as this new album is ushered in. Mm. So with Hole in the Head, we get a sort of rockier look going on. Yes. Yeah. As in, they've tied up half of Heidi's hair. <laughs> Pop grunge. They've tried to yeah. give Heidi a grunge look. Well, rock was really in at this point, starting to really hit, yeah. get into the charts. So. Well, they are really selling bad girls of pop here. Yeah. There's lots of ripped metalhead t-shirts happening. Yeah. They are smashing guitars in the video. I mean, you're like, well, no wonder you're smashing them. You know, you don't play them. I, mean. <laughs> I reckon Heidi can pluck a chord. I wonder if, they, I think this is a general 2003 thing, wasn't it? Because Girls Aloud were definitely doing that darker. Yes. I don't want to call eyeliner, it grungy. But I think it's around the time of, Well, again, we know Mutter had loved an eyeliner. She was never without eyeliner <laughs> never in without. the One Touch album. Yeah. But it's definitely around the time of the whole Avril Lavigne. And yeah. Like, kind of, you've you've yeah. got, of course, Gwen Stefani coming yeah. in with, you know, Love Music Angel Baby. Yeah. That's the next year, but yeah, you're right. It's, that it's around this era, yeah. Of course, you've got Garbage as well. You've got her coming back the greatest hits around That's that time right. as well. Mm-hmm. I know, and I totally bought it. I do think it's, like, great that it changed up the imagery a bit. I just don't buy Heidi as a rockier, grungy. It's like the Saturdays doing it. Yeah. You know, like when the Saturdays did that song, I'm an outlaw, I'm a big boss on the I'm dance floor. I'm a gangster. Floor. I'm a gangster, <laughs> I'm notorious. It was like, I love the song, but are come you? on, Frankie. You <laughs> are not an outlaw, you are not a gangster. Oh, Molly, no. notorious. Butter wouldn't melt. <laughs> And it's the same with Heidi, I think. That's just yes, that. Yeah. It works as a... It's, I suppose it's weird because they're a mix, aren't they? Yeah. They're meant to be the sort of mix. True. Well, I suppose, yeah. That's why Heidi is balanced out by the others in some ways. And then we move on to the second single from the album. Now, we've broken pattern again. I don't know how many times I have to sell you girls. Banger, banger, banger ballad. Banger. Yes. We've gone banger ballad again. Oh. Why? Why, why? didn't you listen to it? I'll tell you why, because they're competing for Christmas number one. Oh. Why do you need a slow song for Christmas? I don't know, man. That's why is that a thing? Yeah. Well, they're why? not all slow songs, are they? Well, no. name me one that's not. Uh, all I Want for Christmas is You. 
Um, Leona Lewis, One More Sleep. Wizard. I uh, wish it could be Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, they're old. What I mean is, where are the... Leona Lewis, One More Sleep is like within the last 10 years. That's true. Did it go to number one? No, it didn't go to number one, but it's slowly climbing. Neither did all I want for you. Look, I don't know how many times I have to say this. I don't know if I said it last year on the podcast. I will die on the hill that in 10 years' time, Leona Lewis's One More Sleep will be as big as Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. Nah. Watch me. Okay, well, it's e- now recorded, so we'll see. Every year, that song climbs higher up the charts. This is exactly what Mariah Carey's did. All we need is for Leona Lewis to become the British Mariah Carey of Christmas. To wheel herself out every December in increasingly shocking dresses. <laughs> sell a range. Like, Leona, you're not busy. <laughs> you got time to put one month in a year. This could be yep. your moment. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, okay, I, and thinking about it, it does have the airplay every season. It's true. Every season it gets more. But moving back on to the second single from... The three album, Two Lost in You. Classic. A worthy Christmas contender, I believe. Mm. This haunting ballad is Diane Warren penned. So Diane Warren is this famous songwriter. She writes all the big ballads that you know. Yeah. She wrote Unbreak My Heart. Yes. Oh, wow. She's, she's, she's the balladeer. Yeah. She's who you go to. Yeah. Made it to number 10, oh. losing out to, do you know who was Christmas number one in 2003? Oh, God. Do I want to know? It's respectable. Oh, uh, is it going to be? No, it's not going to be Girls Aloud. Was it Nis Lopi? Was it Nis Lopi? No, I think it was a few years. Song. It was a few years later. Oh, okay. It's Mad World. Do you oh, because Donnie Darko. The number ten's pretty disappointing. That is an absolute tune. Yeah, surprising. Absolutely. Well, obviously, to further the profits of the Sugar Babes franchise, management decided slap it on a soundtrack. Of course. Well, this is a banging soundtrack song. This is yeah. iconic. The so soundtrack. A, this is more of a, a soundtrack song than a Sugar Babe song because it was originally for the soundtrack and yeah. then they chose them. And the yeah. soundtrack is Love Actually. Now, this was mentioned in The Woman in Liverpool. The Ladies, <laughs> Ladies of Liverpool podcast. So, uh, there's a bit of controversy around this film, as we always like to tell in Pod the Pops. I adore Love Actually. Lauren is not a big fan and it pains me. I want to shape her into it every year i know you're gonna just... say why you're not and i you know i don't know if i want to go into the full details guys if you don't i will i mean it's it's very problematic and just very um it's a film made by men for women C- correct it's a film made by man for women yeah yeah okay it yeah. does not reward a single woman unless she is quiet and sexy and what, any woman who shows emotion in that movie is punished. It's true. Throughout it. And it Stark. teaches really bad lessons. If you took out any single one of the romantic gestures that a man does towards a woman and described it in a police account, <laughs> it like, would come across. I know this because yes. I was in a police exercise once where they were describing uh, romantic acts and asking us to say whether we thought they were offences or not. And after everyone, I went, love actually. <laughs> love actually and they were like um, can you be quiet you're spoiling the exercise I was like why are you making the exercise well, so easy I really enjoyed the Hugh Grant element and that you know I didn't look too deep into it obviously we have to remember it was you know not to justify it but it was a long time ago you know it's almost 20 it, years ago now. Uh, yeah it's but terrifying. but here's the thing is that people still love to watch it every year and with every year, I think its flaws become ever more apparent. The part that really hurts for me is when she finds, you know, she finds a necklace and she's like heartbroken. Yeah. And I feel like most women have probably felt like that at some yeah, point. It's and it's it's really oh, heartbreaking. Emma Thompson is an absolute queen, and she acts the shit out of that yeah, role. Yeah. She, above head and tails, above everyone else. She deserves better. She deserves better. Liam Neeson, I think, plays pretty well as the grieving, you know, father. And look, right. So I enjoy the movie. I watch it every year. But every year, I follow the watching of it by reading the Jezebel takedown. Yes. So there's a website called Jezebel, and they I've have an that. article. I've read it. It's an iconic article. I don't disagree is, with what you're saying. It is my Christmas tradition now <laughs> yes. to read that Jezebel article, and every year it fails not to make me laugh. Like I, <laughs> such a weird negative. I don't fail to scream out laughing. I tend to read it to someone on a car trip, mm-hmm. and just how I absolutely love it for that. I mean. 
I what it was in that podcast where Heidi was like, "Oh, it's really great. I watch it every year." And then it has that lovely reminder for me. I'm like, "Oh, there I am. There, there's the yeah." The I mean, soundtrack. I would so want to be on the soundtrack. I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, it is actually Heidi's favorite Christmas movie. No. So much. much... She needs to see a few more. Uh... <laughs> Wait for it. So much so, she even names her daughter. After love, actually. That's right. It's the girl, the little girl in the nativity. No, no. no, she's called Aurelia. It's after the... Uh, Subjugated Portuguese maid. Yes, the Portuguese maid that... Falls in love with Colin Farrell because she can't understand the nonsense he speaks. Not Colin Farrell. Colin, Colin Firth. Firth. My bad. <laughs> Be better for her if she fell for Colin Farrell. That is a lovely, Ooh, Ooh. That. That is a lovely name. Aurelia. Yep. Yeah, she's but the whole happy. thing of he's like, I'm going to go to our place of work... And a coster, even yeah. though we don't really speak the same language. Because she's beautiful. I don't want the fat, ugly one. Yeah. Well, and now we're just full on quoting the Jezebel article. I can't <laughs> help myself. I love it so much. But nice for Heidi. You know, yeah. she'll tell yeah. her little daughter when she's older. They'll put that movie on Paris every year. That's mummy singing. And then she'll singing. be like, this is mummy singing. And yeah. mummy loved singing in it so much that she... Can you remember where in a film this comes on? I can hear it, but I can't picture. It's quite the... near to the end, isn't it? It's like midway at the dramatic point oh isn't it people being sad montage (laughs) well this is not the best pop fact i have about too lost in you Ooh, you got tea spell it detective aaron put on his monocle and got out his magnifying glass (laughs) jesus i've got some tea this song too lost in you is translated by diane warren as an english rendition of the french song congé peur de tout oh a 1997 track by patricia cass they didn't have too many fucking original songs, did they? I'm starting to... Hello. If you would like to listen to the Patricia Cash version, you can, but not here, because for legal reasons, we are not allowed to play it and we don't want to be sued. So instead, we have created a playlist over on Spotify. So you can either search for Pod of the Pops on Spotify and it will come up, or you can go over to our social medias where you can find the link. We are Pod of the Pops on all socials. It's got very dramatic, moody, dancing on ice vibes. Oh, well, that's to come. Wow. I love it. You know, Siobhan's gone Spanish. The girls have gone back to French. French? French. Yes, I'm French. I just love how often we get language crossovers in this. Yeah. Yeah, I was stunned when I read that. Full on fish face stand. Because we're just we're just like, it's an original. No, it's not. I kind of feel a bit disappointed. Mm. Well, you know, they still wrote the lyrics. Well, sh- they didn't. Diane Warren <laughs> did. So are they doing less writing now? I think I've got this written down. I think we'll get into this. So the album would... Oh, I've got another fact, actually. Pop fact mm. about Two Lost in You. Love yeah. That. Did you know... A survey conducted by scientists in 2004 found that the song's slow tempo can assist in the prevention of accidents and promotion of safer driving. What? It's true. I was going to tell this in the car earlier because I did notice that Karen was driving a lot slower when this song was on <laughs> rather than the dramatic I've, way she nearly killed us. I think like that me. might be yes. bullshit, to be fair. It might have been because you were pulling into a car park. But... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, it's. I think it does have an effect because see, when you're listening to an absolute like dance tune, like yeah. hardcore beat per minute, you feel invincible. You feel invincible. You put the pedal down. You oh, know? I 100 percent have choreography. Yeah, <laughs> like it's normally one armed, but sometimes it's two. <laughs> and yeah, I definitely I do a lot of slamming the yes. uh, passenger seat headboard with my hands. Yeah, yeah, which you have, have to noticed. remember yeah. to only do when you're driving alone yes well the Um, album would follow the very originally titled three mm -hmm. it's their third album there are three of them quite original and it debuts at number three there you go three at three creating your own destiny that's That's what happens when you do your um, affirmations Affirmations. yeah Yeah, love it love it unusually on this record each girl records a solo single showcasing their own different styles it's quite unusual, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I like it. So but, that is how we have the only Heidi solo single. Uh, Sometimes a ballad, which is what I lyrically opened with. 
I see. I had completely forgotten about this until today and quickly changed the opening lyrics for that. <laughs> for go. that. Keisha does the song Whatever Makes You Happy, which is kind of like an up-tempo number. Yeah. And then Mucha does a song, Maya, which is about her sister. We do get two more singles in this era. The Xenomonia banger in the middle. Yeah. Banger, ballad, banger. Yes. Harder to say. Hang on, harder to say, but successful nonetheless. Yeah, I... I always thought this one was a bit... Oh, hmm. It's a Xenomania, so it doesn't always make necessarily sense. I didn't know whether I loved this. The girl said they wanted to write a fun song that represented a night out. I feel like it does do that. It got a shit ton of airplay. I think it's a bit seamy, I have to say. Keisha does a bit of a jerry here, actually. So I've got a quote where she tells Digital Spy she wrote 90% of the song. Oh. Which is just... Oh, I just remember I was under a tree. I wrote 90% of the song. But she says, I wrote the song and I couldn't, and, you know, I couldn't understand the lyrics. So good luck, y'all. Oh. <laughs> just wanted it to be fun. All right, okay. I do wonder how much they are involved in songwriting. Because I always had the impression that the Sugar Babes were writing a lot. Yeah. Um, certainly on that first album, I definitely got the impression they were writing a lot. Yeah. And over the years, I've always thought that. Yes. Then I've seen a few shadier articles in my research that have said they purport that they write it. So they suggest that they write it. One in the later albums, I saw them say, Heidi's still clinging to the lie that they write. As if, oh, because Heidi's blonde and from Liverpool, she couldn't possibly write her own name, let alone a hit record. Yeah. Do you Um, feel like with... You know, with the the first album, they obviously had a lot less budget, so it was more they had to put put themselves out there. But then, of course, as the popularity and they start making money, do you think it's just like just chuck a team in and get it done? You know, we just want to get these albums out, and I suppose that's part of the the culture of pop, isn't it? You you kind of want to just mm. get these albums out and and get you know because we have such a short shelf life with bands. Yeah, yeah. well, it's what Siobhan said in that last episode, isn't it? Where you've got twelve writers for two weeks, or whether you want to spend time making it. I definitely yeah. feel like in the first album they had time to foster and make stuff, but... and maybe they just didn't have the facilities to have songwriters on. Well, Hole in the Head came out seven months after the end of the Angels campaign so you know yeah. like you haven't had that time no. so you are going to bring in more songwriters it's not organic writing really, yeah, is it? it's true. just a bit of a factory I always get the impression they're involved though and they're, they're involved definitely... I mean it's that it's all the question isn't it of like you can you're a writer if you happen to be in the room when it is being penned uh-huh. and, and so, Jenny okay. says the end you know and that's her contribution <laughs> the to end the writing credit full stop yeah so it's you're kind of like you, nobody can really say, apart from those in the room, just how much everyone contributed. Yeah. So I've also seen stuff with Xenomania. Because I'd be surprised if the girls were writing all of the song. It's a Xenomania track. Yeah. But, but I, so what I've understood from them is they would write the track, like right. the music. Yeah. yeah. And the chorus. And the girls would come in and write their verses. Right. Okay. Which still, I think that's still. Yeah. I give that credit. I give that full marks. Yeah. 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 I guess it was different with different producers. I mean, obviously, mm. Diane Warren translated all of that song, but that's because Keisha and Mucha had learned Spanish <laughs> with Siobhan. The school is big. <laughs> it's the school. Big. <laughs> well, The Guardian called it vastly superior, caught in the middle. Daily Mail, Mirror called it colourful and explosive. Oh. I just think it's a bit cheesy. For me, it's this album's red dress, and Ooh. I will come on to tell you, I do not love. And also, why do they always have to release a fourth single? This is a third. But I mean, generally, why? You know, I seem, I feel like the Sugar Babes always release... Well, there is a fourth single, you're right. Yeah. Caught in a moment. <laughs> Which is a ballad. So not caught in a red dress. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, caught in, the, caught in a moment makes it their first album campaign to have every single land in the top ten. Impressive. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Caught in the moment is nice. And to capitalise on the album's success and to further the, pro- the profits of the Sugar Babes franchise, management decided... Slap it on a soundtrack. soundtrack. <laughs> it appears on the 2004 movie Wimbledon, starring Kirsten Dunst and oh, Paul Bettany. What no. happened to him? As a washed-up tennis player who falls in love. Got a funny story about Paul Bettany. He was in that film that I creeped on the set of when I was in LA. Oh. And I was, like, we were literally, we would just walk, we walked in with sunglasses on like we owned the place. And then within five minutes, I was stood a couple of metres away from Paul Bettany. Amazing. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck are we doing here? And then eventually we got kind of scared off because the assistant director was like, hi, who are you? <laughs> we were just like, friends of the director, yeah. Anyway, 
Um, I mean, that film was directed by Woody Allen. Wasn't oh, it? wow. They and only put so, the sound on it. Do you know what I mean? Give yeah. them a try. No, listen, I'm not saying that it's not their fault that that was the case. Caught in a Moment is a lovely ballad. And we also get mature. Oh, no, she'd been in the... So from Two Lost in You, she'd been wearing this long yeah. red wig. Yeah. And she looked stunning. Yeah. I really like that. Oh, while we're talking looks, I can't believe I nearly skipped past it. You know why Caught in the Middle is such a banger of a track? Mm -hmm. It's because when we get Heidi in a fashion trend that should never be forgotten. The lady slut suit. Oh. Jacket, no blouse. Trousers, no button. Nice. You remember this? Yes. She'd wear a a jacket with a bra. Pink bra, pink pants. Open top. She wore it at premieres. Yeah. I'm guessing Wimbledon. Or maybe it was... To love, actually. Yeah. Little trilby to keep it classy. Love a trilby. Has to have a feather on it. <laughs> I mean, this is a far cry from her ripped metalhead t-shirt. Wow. Oh, dear. That was such a naughty look. The man. lady slut suit. Yeah. Christina Jacket was a... Jacket top. Christina Jackson's was a big no fan. Big fan. Christina. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huge. She wouldn't have even worn the pants. <laughs> we do get a nomination at the... Brit Awards for Best British Single in 2005 of Two Lost in You. So yeah. who wants to play the Brits Quiz winner game? I Woo! want to. I will read you the nominees for a past Brit Award category and you must guess the winner. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Category is Best British Single 2005. There's a few. Band-Aid 20, Do They Know It's Christmas, which the Sugar Waves appeared on. Right, yeah. George Michael, Amazing. Oh, George. Jamelia, thank you. Will Young, Your Game. Keen, Everybody's Changing. Oh, God, that song. LMC versus U2. Take me to the clouds above. Oh, wow. Oh. Natasha Bedingfield, These Words. That song oh, such own. an earworm, God. Oh, she... you want an earbo- earworm? The Shapeshifters, Lola's Theme. So that's one that goes... Um, Baby, baby. No, I can't no, think what the lyrics That's Izzy from Neighbours. And I've just said it's an earworm. And I'm like, uh, but don't know what it is. No, that's it. Uh, is yeah. that I'm a different person? I'm a different person. Yeah. Turn my world around. Turn okay, that, for me, that's the winner. Well, hang on. You haven't, even, you haven't even had them all. Oh, shit. Okay. Sugar Babe's in the middle, obviously. Uh, yeah, as yeah. we know, that doesn't win. And the streets. Dry your eyes, mate. Oh, I know you want to make song, it. Wasn't or something like so. Not for, for England, I mean. Wait, dry your eyes, mate. Was Plenty it? more fish in the sea. Yeah, yeah, it's a sad song. Yeah, I think they were. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, oh. I don't know much about football, but I'm pretty sure we didn't win the cup. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so I, I'm I, gonna... I remember that song Quick. specifically because close male friend of mine had split up with or been dumped by a mutual friend and he was like devastated and I was just like oh this song reminds me of you mate try <laughs> your eyes mate try your eyes mate I'm going to put going to whim everyone loves a charity single I think it was band aid 20 are oh. the Brits nah not to give it away it's no. not that one no no I I think it was shapeshifters well you're gonna have to dry your eyes because you're both wrong oh was oh, it straight really? it's my mum's boy Will Young Oh, with your oh, game, forgettable. Oh, like I don't even Jeez, remember. I don't even remember what song that. What is. you gonna say? I don't know. Oh. What you gonna do? I ain't sure. Oh, okay. Nah, like okay. he's in the room. Oh no, okay, that one is actually. Play okay. That's a banger. It is a banger. Actually. Oh my god, I just had a flashback. I sang that at an audition once. <laughs> oh, he doesn't have the range. He doesn't have the range. <laughs> oh, I really wanted this musical oh, job. Me. <laughs> Aaron, he doesn't have the range. Give up. You gotta keep going. I know, affirmation. I can get to number three. Oprah Winfrey. Cut she that. can do it, we can. <laughs> so while they are filming the music video for Caught in the Middle, rumours are rife of mm-hmm. conflicts on set. Right. Apparently they would only talk to each other through staff members, and the frosty silence between Mucha, Heidi, and Keisha made it a difficult afternoon's work. Ooh. It's worth saying the tabloids were always rife with rumours of riffs ever since Siobhan had left. Whether it was because of the moody attitudes, because of the Mm. fact they didn't smile, or because Keisha happened to be black, so she certainly must be a bully. Oh, yeah. We have to point out that there is probably some coverage that's biased in that way. Particularly as 
the victim always seemed to be Heidi. Right. And let's make it clear, none of the girls were ever saying this. Yeah. I know they'd said about, you know, the relationship with Siobhan. Yeah. But every time in an interview, I've never seen them say anything other than, yeah, we've read that. And I mean, I guess we're not always getting on like a dream mm. because there's three girls that are constantly on the road together. You're always going to be like, oh, that was my lipstick or whatever. Yeah. Like, of course, they've definitely never said there was anything well, other than... respect to them for not blabbing. Well, there's one big argument that we do always hear about, but we've never heard the juice of. Oh. Keisha says there was one big blow-up in Dublin in 2004 between, <laughs> Ke- between her and Heidi yeah. regarding the Britney Spears song Toxic, which wait, wait, is totally wait. understandable. If it's your favourite, you're a basic. <laughs> <laughs> So what, were they, I could never understand this. They were arguing about if that was their favourite song or not. I, no, it must have been about them doing it, right? I think so too. That's what I conclude. It's so vague, all the tabloid stuff. Well, it would that. have been, they would have been going on tour, I guess. And they would have been talking about what cover songs can we do on tour. And I imagine Heidi suggests Toxic and she's really thinking they should do it. And Keisha is like, no way. Everyone knows in the future that will be overplayed. Little did they know that Blackout was going to come on a couple of years later and change their minds, blow their minds. On that humdinger, <laughs> we're going to take a break from talking about the Sugar Babes and go into talking about Heidi as she has joined to find out more about where did she come from? Who found her? Who is she? <laughs> and more about where did she go? Where is she? <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to financially support the podcast and help us to improve our tech and other bits of kit, or just say thank you in general, you can do so by joining our Patreon, aka Patreon, by searching for Pod of the Pops on Patreon or checking out our social medias. If financial means are beyond you at this moment in time, whose aren't? then you can just support us by sharing it and telling people about it. We make this for the love, not for the profit. Otherwise, go over and check out our Heidi episode, which is available now. So help yourselves to get all your sugar babes full. I would love to know who they're sandwiched between. Yeah. Oh, we need to look at them Yeah. That's great. It's good for them. That sounded really genuine. Because I was reading my notes. Best effort. <laughs> also ran.